Over the next few weeks, we're exploring barbecue. Sit with us as we spread the coals, flip the hog, and stir the mop. Along the way, we'll share stories of Southern pitmasters from Idaho to South Carolina. You're listening to Gravy. 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 A production of the Southern Foodways Alliance, Gravy tells the stories of the changing American South. Our next stop is Idaho Falls. Hugging the banks of the Snake River, Idaho Falls sits on the southwestern edge of Yellowstone National Park. I'm Melissa Hall. I'm Olivia Terenzio. This week, we're going to explore what happens to pitmasters and barbecue when they leave the South. What's lost and what's gained. What you pack for the journey and what you leave behind or hope to leave behind. Certainly fewer mosquitoes and maybe fewer snakes, but this week we're going to hear what happens when a southerner leaves the south and opens a barbecue joint in the west. Monica Goki has the story. It's just after 10 a.m. on a Wednesday, and Grandpa's Southern Barbecue in Idaho Falls, Idaho, opens in less than an hour. One of the owners, Loretta Westbrook, is mixing up a batch of cornbread. Cornbread goes super fast. Eggs go in, along with the buttermilk, baking soda, etc. No jiffy mix here. No, ma'am. Loretta's husband, Lloyd Westbrook, is smoking the meats. Twelve whole chickens are about to go on one of the six smokers behind the restaurant, but not before they're spatchcocked and seasoned with Lloyd's in-house barbecue rub. And... We put a little blessed oil on all of our meat, and it just seems to make a difference. Lloyd heads out back to light one of his smokers. Charcoal goes in alongside a big chunk of apple wood for flavor. Lloyd lights the pit. With the matches. Grandpa's has been in business for 27 years, and lighting the smoker still makes Lloyd smile like a little kid. Yeah, I, I, I do. I enjoy it. This place is a bastion of Southern food, in Idaho of all places. More on that in a minute. Right now, the restaurant is about to open and the hustle is on. Grandpa's is a family affair. Some nights you can find three generations of Westbrooks in the kitchen. Currently, Lloyd and Loretta's daughter, Danny, is prepping sides. The macaroni is definitely coming along. It's fine. Got the noodles done. Got the butter melted. So we're, we're getting there. Grandpa serves up barbecue with classic southern sides like coleslaw and collard greens and a selection of homemade pies from sweet potato to buttermilk. It's the location that sets Grandpa's apart. The restaurant is in the southeastern corner of Idaho, just under two hours from Yellowstone National Park. At 79 years young, Lloyd is a master at the barbecue pit. You'll find ribs, brisket, pulled pork, and chicken on the menu, plus fried catfish on Fridays. This food is from Lloyd's formative years. He grew up in western Kentucky, on the banks of the Mississippi River. My brother started uh, Safari Barbecue back in Hickman, Kentucky. I helped there. Working at Safari Barbecue was not exactly a dream job, but Lloyd said it was better than picking cotton, which he'd done since he was six. Cotton fields? Oh, cotton fields. Oh, 
Deliver me from cotton field. Not fun. At Safari, Lloyd fared about how most of us would fare if one of our older siblings was in charge. You, you're kind of a, a gopher, you know. You got to go for the woods, you got to go for this, you got to go for that. And I'm, I'm tired of being a gopher, so I'm going to join the Army. <laughs> <laughs> so I really joined the Army and uh, kind of get away from all of that. <laughs> the Army took Lloyd all over. Thailand, the West Coast, and eventually he visited Idaho. And this was it. There was no other to consider, and I've never regretted it. Why Idaho? I'm curious. Well, in Christmas of 78, I was here visiting, and snow was just above knee-deep. The sun was shining, the wind was quiet, and it was a shirt-sleeve kind of day, and even in the winter. So, I, I realized that you can dress for the weather. Back there, you get that bone-chilling cold that goes through you, you know, and I didn't want that. The kitchen is abuzz as customers start to trickle in for the lunch rush. Everyone is greeted like a friend. It feels so warm, so congenial. That kindness, it's not just for customers either. Back in the kitchen, Lloyd, Loretta, and Danny work alongside three other employees. There's a friendly, collegial feel to their interactions. The vibe is fun and wholesome. Whatever it is, Grandpa's feels like it has its own gravitational pull, tugging you to sit down at a table and stay for a while. Many do. 30 minutes after opening, nearly every table is taken. And this is only the lunch shift on a weekday. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Grandpa's has received a great deal of acclaim over the years. It's been listed in travel guides. Many European visitors have warmed the chairs here. And it's pretty consistently ranked one of the best barbecue spots in Idaho by all kinds of different newspapers and websites. But this food, it's not always been an easy sell on everyone here. Idaho Falls is a big city by Idaho standards, about 65,000 people. The cuisine at Grandpa's is very Southern. Fried catfish, cornbread, and it's just different to people who haven't had those kinds of foods before. Loretta explains what this is like for some customers. Meat and potatoes are what we're used to. We're not used to a lot of seasoning, and sometimes we get the comment, oh, you put seasoning on your food? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it edible. Yep. And, and, and so, you know, part of it is a cultural thing. And so in that case, you have to be willing to share with people. You know, hey, you know, this is how I grew up. This is how my mama cooked. This is how Lloyd's parents cooked, you know. And to be willing to say, let me, let me bring you some samples. And then when people start trying, they're like, wow, oh, yeah, this is good. This is good. So it, it, it is. It's a cultural thing. The food at Grandpa's pulls from culinary styles across the South. 
Apart from the meats, sides are a big deal. There are two kinds of coleslaw, creamy and vinegar. There's collard greens, corn, green beans, mac and cheese, red beans and rice, cornbread, potato salad, gumbo. The list goes on. Plus, the desserts. Desserts are Loretta's specialty. Buttermilk pie? Oh, you got it. You got. You can't leave the bill until you taste this buttermilk pie, girl. That's the way how you get a hook. <laughs> Loretta's family is from Mississippi, but she grew up in Washington State. She says she was not surrounded by Southern cuisine as a child the way Lloyd was. So when she agreed to make the desserts for Grandpa's, she started from scratch. I, I learned. I girl. I, I tried pie crust recipes till I really found one that worked. Loretta reamed through cookbooks. She tried all kinds of recipes, improved them, and added them to the menu when they finally passed muster. Pecan pie, chocolate cobbler, sweet potato pie. When I finally get to eat my own lunch, pulled pork sandwich with coleslaw, it is divine. You can taste the wood smoke in the meat. I take some home to my husband, and he cannot believe the pulled pork. Like, his Idaho-born-and-bred mind is kind of blown. To find a place with piles of wood in the parking lot and smokers puffing along, that's authentic, and it's not very common in this area. Remember, we're in the West. Fruit and nut trees, the typical hardwoods used to impart flavors into smoked meats, those aren't native here. Lloyd manages to procure his apple wood from his customer base. In fact, as we're talking, someone calls Lloyd about this very thing. Would you be interested in some applewood? I've got an apple tree here that I have pruned back. Would you be interested in any of it? Absolutely. I kind of thought maybe you might. (laughs) Between the carefully tended fire, the locally sourced applewood for smoking, a meat rub refined over decades, you get food that tastes special. The Westbrook's customers say they can taste the difference. And I feel like I can, too. When we come back, we'll learn more about how Grandpa's came to set up shop in Idaho Falls. Maker's Mark Bourbon is aged to taste in Loretto, Kentucky. The Samuels family uses locally grown soft red winter wheat and sources water from a lake on the distillery's campus. Every Maker's Mark label is printed and die cut by hand on an antique press, and each bottle is hand dipped in their signature red wax. All the details matter when distilling quality bourbon. Since Maker's Mark sold its first case of bourbon to the Keeneland Racecourse in Lexington, they have perfected the craft of distilling American whiskey. For their dedication to making great bourbon and for their support of the Southern Foodways Alliance, we thank them. Maker's Mark crafts their bourbon carefully. Please enjoy it that way. Grandpa's Southern Barbecue was not always at its current location in Idaho Falls. Lloyd and Loretta started the business 70 miles up the road in a little town called Arco. They'd moved there for Lloyd's work. He drove buses for the nearby nuclear energy facility. Only about a thousand people live in Arco. It's an unlikely spot for a barbecue restaurant. Really, it's kind of an unlikely spot for any restaurant. Nobody in our country knew what barbecue was. I mean, Deloitte and I had a lot of conversations, but I, I, I couldn't see where the uh, customers were going to come from because basically I would say, there ain't no black people in our country. 
Where, where are they going to come from, you know? This dream of opening a barbecue restaurant, though, it just didn't go away for Lloyd. It was not just a dream. It was a compulsion. Lloyd ended up buying a small house on Arco's main drag, and he spent two years remodeling it. When Grandpa's finally opened, visibility from the main road wasn't awesome, but it worked. So people driving by would see other people sitting out, and before they go past this building or that building, you'd see their taillights go on, and then pretty soon they're driving back up, you know? So it, it became incredible. At first, it wasn't the locals who ate at Grandpa's. It was tourists passing through town, either on their way to Yellowstone or the nearby Craters of the Moon National Monument. Business was okay, but barbecue was a side hustle for the Westbrooks at that point. Lloyd was still driving buses. There was a gap in his drop-off and pickup schedule, so he had most of his days free to tend to the smokers. Loretta was also working outside the restaurant. Then... Something happened that forever changed the trajectory of Grandpa's. It started with an iconic moment in American history. Four, three, two, one, zero. Liftoff on Apollo 11. In July of 1969, the Apollo 11 mission landed two American astronauts on the moon. The eagle has landed. It was a spectacular moment in American history, and the nation was captivated. Just a month after that, astronauts from the forthcoming Apollo 14 mission were dispatched to Idaho, specifically to Craters of the Moon National Monument and Preserve. They were there for a boot camp on rocks. Rocks? Yeah, rocks. The astronauts were basically learning how to be field geologists so they could bring back the most valuable specimens of moon rock on Apollo 14. Okay. Fast forward 30 years, 1999, Craters of the Moon was celebrating its 75th anniversary, and someone from the National Park Service got the idea to invite the Apollo 14 astronauts back to Craters to commemorate the occasion. The three surviving astronauts accepted the invite, and Idaho was captivated by their return. It was a bonanza for local and state media. Meanwhile, over in Arco, less than 20 miles away from the visitor center at Craters of the Moon, Grandpa's Southern Barbecue had been open for four years. Picture picnic tables in the front yard under nice, tall, shady trees. Lloyd tells me a reporter for the Idaho Statesman came by, ordered food, and loved it. And word spread. Grandpa's became something of an oasis for members of the media covering the astronauts' return to Craters. The statesman ended up running a profile story on Grandpa's while its reporters were in town. We got this write-up, this little write-up, oh. they said, in the Boise Statesman, okay? Oh, my gosh. And it was incredible. Look how young you guys look. <laughs> a framed version hangs on the restaurant's wall. That story about Grandpa's in Idaho's largest daily newspaper was something of a liftoff moment for the Westbrooks. From the day that that article came out, we were inundated with people from the Boise area. They kept us running across the desert. We'd run out of food, I'd drive across 70 miles, find whatever stores, whatever food I could find, go back, cook that. I think I got three days, I got about three and a half hours of sleep because I was just, we were just so inundated. Remember, Arco is small. 
no real grocery store in town. So every time Lloyd ran out of food, he had to burn it over an hour up the highway to Idaho Falls to restock. It was a hectic couple of years for the Westbrooks, but business soared. This one couple, they drove in, big red Cadillac convertible, and uh, had, their, had their lunch or dinner, whichever. And the husband told me as, as they were leaving, he said, this morning when we got up, I asked my wife what she wanted to do for her 50th wedding anniversary, and she said, I want to go to Arco and have barbecue. Girl, and they got in their big red Cadillac convertible, it rolled on back out to Boise. You hear me? I tell you, it was so incredible. Grandpa's became a destination. They had visitors from all over the world, so much so that they started keeping guest registries. Catering gigs started to roll in too. Business was booming. Lloyd and Loretta both say that, in hindsight, opening grandpa's in the small town of Arco was a stroke of good fortune. The notoriety that we received being in a one-horse western town, we would have never received that in Idaho Falls. There's not money that could buy the exposure we've had. Business was over the proverbial moon. This dream of Lloyd's, it worked. It was a success. But then something unexpected happened. Wildfire scorched the desert surrounding Arco. It stripped the desert bare and highways were closed on and off for years due to blowing dust storms. No open highways, no tourists. And that devastated Arco's population. We left there in 2002, which de we just depleted our resources trying to hang on to a, a, a situation that wasn't going to turn around for years. Okay. Leaving Arco for Idaho Falls was bittersweet. It was the right move for the business, but the Westbrooks had been a part of Arco for 14 years at that point. Our kids went to school there. The oldest boy graduated from there. We both sat on the city council at one point. I thought living at Arco was kind of cool because, girl, I, I mean, I got to try stuff. You know, I was a deputy sheriff. And, <laughs> and where, where, where do you go? Where do you go that you get to be a deputy sheriff, you know, without going through school? I have to laugh at this because as a fellow resident of small town Idaho, this rings so true. You get to try on a lot of different hats when you live in a rural area. But... Living in a small town is not always easy. I'm somewhere that is like totally different from my culture. So I, I did, I learned a lot living in Arco, a, a, a lot, you know? I wanna ask you about that. Did it ever feel like home? No, yeah. no. Even though it didn't feel like home, I, I remember the day when I decided that I'm going to bloom where I'm planted. You know, so when Lloyd started the restaurant, I was not committed, not committed. Loretta was there to help, of course. She'd always made the sides and desserts while Lloyd smoked the meats. But Loretta said she kept one foot out the door because restaurants, it's a hard business. One day I was praying. I said, God, I said, what do you want me to do? Because I feel like I'm out here and I just heard this. It wasn't an audible voice, but I heard this voice say, go down to Grandpa's and help Lloyd. 
I opened my eyes and I looked up and I said, God, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. I don't want to have to live with Lloyd and work with him, so I'm not doing that. And uh, about a year later, I was sitting at my desk and I said, you know what, God? I'm going to do exactly what you told me to do. And I typed up my resignation letter. Loretta was working at a school at the time. This was after the family had moved to Idaho Falls. Danny, her daughter, was working at the same school. Loretta stopped by Danny's office. She told her daughter, I'm done. She says, what are you going to do? I says, I'm going down to the restaurant and help your dad. And she says, do you know how long we've been waiting for you? And it was like, nope, I don't. But you know what? Here I come. Here I come. And you know what, Monica? I tell you what, girl. The best decision ever. Ever. I mean, it has been, it has been amazing Loretta has been all in at Grandpa's for six years now. I was always afraid, like, what about income? And what if it doesn't make enough money? And what if, and what if, and what if? And I had to throw all of that out and just, you know what? Here we come. You know, it has been absolutely amazing. And, And I love, I love cooking. I love feeding people. Faith is a cornerstone of Grandpa's. You see it everywhere in the restaurant. Thanks be to God is painted above the entrance to the kitchen. There's an open Bible in the dining room. Blessed oil on the food. When you find yourself in this family's orbit, there's a strong sense that Grandpa's is a force of good in the world. Whether or not it's the faith, this is an open, loving, kind, generous space. The kind of place that's making a difference in its community. Having this restaurant gives us an opportunity to interact with people. And sometimes, because we are people of color, sometimes this might be the only time other people may have an opportunity to interact. So we make it a point to visit with them if possible, you know. When the Westbrooks lived in Arco, they tell me they were the only African-American family in town. That part didn't feel hard to me. It wasn't the same for the kids, though. One day, their daughter came home from kindergarten and said other students were trying to touch her hair. I said, you know, a lot of these people, they have never seen a black person. And so she just looked at me and she says, well, where have they been all of their lives? I said, right here in Arco. And she was like, oh, What it did do, Monica, it opened the doors for us to help educate people. And that's important, you know. And so there were a couple of years where we did black history programs in the school. Yes. And and, and so, you know, I I don't care what anybody tell me. God has a purpose and a plan for where we are and when we're there. And, and, and people were receptive. People were receptive. You know, we're supposed to help each other. And we're supposed to enlighten each other. And food is an awesome connector, if you will. You know. When I hear Lloyd and Loretta talk about this kind of service to community, it reminds me of Loretta's words to bloom where you're planted. It's almost like Grandpa's has done the same. A small southern barbecue restaurant flourishing, first in a rural Idaho town, then in a larger Idaho city. Every day, Monica, I 
get up, I'm feeling good, I feel fine, and as long as I'm feeling fine, girl, I will be doing this. It's a way of life. When I can't do it anymore, I'll be done. But in the meantime, hey, this, is what, this, is, this is my connection. You hear, you hear me? Gravy was reported and produced by Monica Goki. Monica is a science writer and radio journalist from West Central Idaho. Special thanks to the NASA Archives and to Blue Dot Sessions for helping this episode sound great. We thank Wendell Patrick for Gravy's theme music. Jazar for our donor music. Gravy's publisher is Mary Beth Lassiter. The heavy editing lift for this season of Gravy comes by way of my co-host, Olivia Terenzio. Oh, and Katie King is our fact checker. Did this episode whet your appetite for barbecue? If so, join us at our barbecue symposium, October 21st and 22nd here in Oxford, Mississippi. Together, we'll ask questions about what barbecue is, who makes it, and we'll learn how the craft is changing. Visit us at southernfoodways.org to buy your tickets and learn more about the event. And while you're there, become a member or make a donation. Your dollars fund our work and help us make more gravy. I'm Melissa Hall. And I'm Olivia Terenzio. Excited to lap up another episode? Tell a friend, pass the gravy boat. There's plenty to go around.